the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we are now three days from the most important midterm election, at least since 1862 during the shooting Civil War. And my name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, joined by my co-host Don Dix. And uh, I know we're both fully engaged in doing everything we can in front of our respective foxholes sure uh, in this in, the, in this battle. Feels like we're doing a lot. Sure, sure seems like we should be doing so much more than we are, but I'm not sure what that would be. There is uh, an entirely different show that we're going to have next week from what we're going to have today. Today, we're going to say everybody that can hear us needs to get out their cell phones, needs to call up everybody that they know and tell them in no uncertain terms they need to vote on Tuesday. Turnout, even though we're seeing we're seeing numbers right now that suggest that this could be a record turnout, turnout for Republicans is the most important thing in this election. Right. And if you, if you only have limited time to tell your friends to, uh, to vote, f- start with the Republicans. Well, ex- <laughs> and finish with the Republican friends. Yeah. You know, and even if it's as simple as calling them up and asking them, how are you going to vote for, on Prop 6? Because I find, you know, communication is an amazing tool if you know how to use it right. The person who's asking questions is always in control. So if you start off asking questions, you will not get into the wrong territory. Ask them how they're voting on Prop 6, and their answer will tell you a lot. If they say, what's Prop 6, you know where you need to go. Uh, You need to start at the very basic building block of uh, we're about to lose the republic get your head out of the sand yeah. uh, to uh, if they say I'm voting yes on prop six say good how often are you going to vote that's probably literally not what you should tell your friend about getting your head out of the sand well at this point if they if they say what's prop six um, I, I think you, you need to dispense with the pleasantries at this point and say well, brother no, prop six is the Democrats latest gas tax increase and not a penny of that has to go to the roads, and it's worth seven hundred and seventy nine dollars to the average family of four every year. So that's that's how I would approach uh, someone at that level of political engagement. That sounded an awful lot like get your head out of the sand to me. I don't know. I maybe it was you know, coming through the filter choi- of a word choice. Word choice is really important. It is. Yeah. I mean, you would only tell your very, 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 very good friend, probably a fraternity brother, to get your head out of the sand. But if it's just your neighbor that you hardly ever see, except for when you take out the trash, yeah, that would be the wrong approach. But the the point is, ask them. Ask them and implore them. Ask them, are they going to vote? Ask them if they're going to, you know, what are they going to test their, you know, what their awareness level about what is at stake? Well, and another good question to ask is, 
What do you think about this caravan of, of, of thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants followed by another caravan of, seven, of thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants, illegal immigrants coming at our border? What do you think we should do about that? Do you think we should secure the border? Uh, at least that part of it, you know, wherever they're going to head. Well, and I think you're going to get, yeah, I mean, anecdotally, people that are not necessarily ardently on our side, they see, they see this and they're going, no. We can't, we can't just have anyone, any mass of people that wants to walk into our country do that. And these people are coming from some of the most violent countries. These are military-age males, for the most part, coming from some of the most violent countries in the world. What could possibly go wrong? Well, and the media would have us believe, among other things, that the people that are headed here in our direction are the future model Americans. You, when you listen to them describe what's coming at us, it, they make it sound like, hey, we're the, you know, we're the problem with America. Uh, you, according to Don Lemon, us white you know, right. uh, terror, we're, we're, we're more likely to go we were, we were terror. Republican. Yeah, and and that means you're a, you're you're a terrorist. That means you're a white supremacist and a terrorist. And you're a fasc- white. You and vote a fascist, Republican and, and you're Nazi, old. and homophobe and Islamophobe. Right. Oh, but those, that caravan headed towards us that just Wait, ripped no. apart the Mexican border at Guatemala. Wait, the Nicaraguan flags. Those or people the are flags. they're model Americans. Absolutely. These yeah. are the people we want in America. Yeah, These the are mo- the people that are going to uphold American values. Who's the model? Americans for the Democrat Party. And immigration is one of the most important issues for the country and for, um, and for this election. And we're going to have someone from the Border Patrol in our next segment telling us what's really going on down at the border after this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, right here on AM590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broken license number 01147747, NMLS and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. AM590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Greg, immigration once again has become a, a touchstone for this midterm going into the, one of the most consequential elections. We've got a caravan and now maybe a second and a third caravan headed towards us. Donald Trump has just talked about what he might do in terms of this uh, 
you know, birthright citizenship. On the phone with us right now, we have retired Border Patrol agent Christopher Harris. He's been with us numerous times to uh, share with us about what actually happens on the southern border in the San Diego sector regarding Mexico dumping their toxic waste into America. Uh, We wanted to get your thoughts, though, uh, Agent Harris, on what is... Uh, what, what really is getting ready to shape up here politically, if you can even go there, um, or logistically with, you know, President Trump sending 15,000 people to the border? Uh, what's what's going to shape up there, do you think? Well, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be 15,000, but, you know, God bless. Send anybody you want. But, I mean, they are limited in what they can do by pasta comitatus and, and other things. They can free up agents for support. Um but they can't. They can't really help us. Um, they can't really help us with with you know actually arresting people. Right. Um, so we, we appreciate their support, um, but they can only do so much. And and so things ha- other things have to change that that haven't changed in two and a half years or, or, or twenty three months. Excuse me. We, we need that national mandatory verify. We need to change the asylum laws or at least tighten them up because it doesn't matter if you have the first Marine Division, um, you know, holding hands on the border. The fact is that once somebody steps foot in the U.S., they, they have the right to seek asylum and they have certain prerogatives. You can't change that. So I'm not quite sure why we're, we're right now chasing down, chasing the, four, you know, changing the 14th Amendment, those kind of things. I'm not quite sure how that's going to help us in the short term with this caravan. Interesting. But there are things that, that can be done that should be done that aren't being done. And and I want to see Republicans do that. I want to see Democrats do that. Uh, I just mentioned to you that we're down here with Duncan Hunter, Congressman Hunter, and he's been a good friend of ours, and he understands these issues, uh, as do some people, but they have to push for things that haven't been done in 23 months. The Democrat Party will never, ever, 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 do anything to secure the border or reduce the flow of immigration and new Democrat voters into the country. They understand the political importance of immigration. So any changes of the law would have to come from the Republican side only. And there's a number of those that are open border, cheap labor Republicans. So I think the prospects of getting any changes in legislation are slim to none, and slim is on a bus headed out of town. So everything that is going needs to be done needs to be done within existing law, and such as the president's authority under 8 U.S.C. 1182F to exclude all aliens or any class of aliens. And we're going to, and I hope the president will use that authority to um, to 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 exclude aliens coming across the border. But you know, I agree with that completely. You, you, I mean, you're retired now, but you've been on the border. You still have friends that, that are. The caravan. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still a union official. I'm still down. And I still talk to the guys, and, and they're disheartened by the fact that there's not much they can do. And what you just said was 100% correct. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it on the nose the, that that's going to keep happening. Right. But the, uh, the caravans dramatized. They give great pictures. They really then they sort of illustrate what's going on. But there's just a constant flow of people going across the border that are not in a, quote, caravan, unquote, coming across the border and saying, asylum, asylum, I get in, ali, 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 in free. Every, every single day that's happening, and, and that's disheartening to the men and women of the Border Patrol, is that 
they, they apprehend them. And it's not even like we have to track them down and do our job as we normally do it, where we're good at arresting people. They just stand there and give up. And so they do claim asylum. And whether they jump the fence or go through the port of entry, they're still claiming asylum. Now, if they jump the fence, they might be charged with AUSC 1325, but it doesn't take them out of the asylum process. So right. until we change that, that procedure and how we do that with CFRs or executive orders you know, within the scope of, of, of the president's authority, it's going to happen every single day. Yeah, the, the caravan's a great theater for both sides. But it's happening every day in just smaller numbers. How are these people, and as I understand the process, they come across and they're initially interviewed by a Border Patrol officer to see if they have some credible <clears throat> claim of asylum, and they don't. They're all economic refugees. They've fleeing gang violence, which was popular under Obama. Uh, is not a valid excuse. Fleeing domestic violence is not, a va- is not a valid claim for asylum. How are these people getting past that initial interview of having <clears throat> a remotely credible claim to asylum? Well, because the Border Patrol agents don't have the authority to deny, uh, nor do we want it. We don't want to be able to adjudicate. We don't want to be that judge and jury. Um, but further than that, you know, the asylum officials have that, that right to do that. But the problem is the GAO, three and a half years ago, did a study where 80% won't show up for their hearings. So the problem is that 20% show up, and the left likes to you know, talk about this, oh, 98% get their asylum claim, so it must be working. Yeah, that's the 20% who show up, because obviously they're smart to know I have a real claim. They deserve it. But the 80% that are lying, they just don't show up, and there is the problem. So we, we can't adjudicate them when the agents interview them initially. We are now documenting it. There is a difference. There, is a, there has been some progress. Under the last administration, we were told not to document derogatory statements, derogatory information, negative information that would tend to disprove. Now we are told to, to document that. Interesting. That we have one guy who does that, one agent who does that. And he says he's having some effect. I mean, I'll give you a real quick example. We're getting a lot of people from Ghana who are claiming that they're homosexual and they're Muslim, so therefore they're under, you know, a sentence of death. But he got enough information to find the guy's Facebook page with his wife and his kids and saying, I miss my wife, I love my wife. So he documented that. Hopefully, if he ever goes to the asylum official, he'll be denied. But he might not ever show up. Now, one of the things about this uh, this new caravan and, and sending the military to the border, which you say will free up the Border Patrol agents, is keeping them, is the goal to keep them from being able to step foot in the United States by keeping no. them on the other side of the border. You can't do that. How would you do that? You, I mean, you'd have to shoot them. You can't shoot them to Mexico. And the other thing is they could just go to the port of entry. They have every right to get in line and go to the port of entry. So it doesn't really, that doesn't, the, the military at the border is not going to prevent them from entering. The military at the border frees up our agents to do their job. But the fact is, we'll still arrest them, but it's what happens afterwards that is the problem. Gotcha. That's, you know, we don't have enough detention space. We don't hold them, you know, due to a presidential executive order where we don't separate families. Uh, the Flores decision, which says we can't hold juveniles more than 20 days, that's killing us. That needs to change. Interesting. And, and that needs to change by both uh, executive order, but also by Congress. And again, we have certain friends in Congress, and, and you know, I mean, I'm with Duncan Hunter right now, that are good friends of ours. But you need other Republicans to get on board, and you need the Democrats to get on board. And, and I keep saying this, that there's a difference between immigration reform and border security. Three years ago, everybody was pretty much on board with that, or they said they were. And, and I want to know where my Republican friends are that aren't pushing for certain things that would... would dramatically change the, 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 the security at the border. Where are they? Sure seems like there should have been something done over these two years while we had the opportunity. Border Washington Examiner is saying Border 
surge is the highest levels since 2011. Is that uh, is that what you're seeing at the border right now in terms of crossings? With no doubt. I don't doubt it's crazy, that, isn't that, it? that statement at all. It's gotten worse. And so, again, it's, it's, it's gone from immigration to asylum. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't fix the asylum problem, where everybody and their brother can claim asylum, they're claiming the gangs, but they're claiming it's a political thing. But it's a lie. I mean, I've asked guys, what are you coming for at work? When they get to the station, what do they say? Oh, it's gang violence. So what are you fleeing? MS-13, Marisara, Chucha, 13. Okay, so why didn't you, you went to Mexico. Why didn't you just stop there? Oh, they'll come after me in Mexico. Okay, where are you going? LA. Time for a word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. We have to entertain that because, again, Border Patrol agents don't adjudicate, and then we push them on further in the system, but they're released because we don't have the detention space and, and, and other laws, as I touched on earlier. They're released, and 80% will never show up. You are put. If you were appointed as Department of Home, in the Homeland, Secretary of Homeland Security, under existing under the existing regime, and you can and you can have President Trump sign any executive orders you want him to sign. What would you do to stop this? Well, I, I'm going to go back one step. I would talk to the president, frankly, and say we need you need to commit you need to make an ad hoc committee of the top people from the U.S. Marshal Service, the FBI, Department of Labor, IRS, Coast Guard, um, Border Patrol, ICE. All of them together, we sit down and we need to figure out a grand unified strategy because the gears can turn, but they have to mesh with the other ones. And so that's the first thing I would do. But then I would say, Mr. President, let's see what laws we can, what CFRs, what rules and regulations we can change administratively under your fiat. And if we need constitutionally, what executive orders you can pass to tighten up immigrate, uh, asylum laws or rules and regulations. And I would push very heavily to have Mexico designated and have them accept that they are a safe haven. Mexico likes to say, you can visit us, we're safe. Well, then let them make that actually a, a legal thing, uh, uh, you know, internationally, where that means when people get there, they're there, they're safe. We don't have to entertain their asylum claims because they're already in a safe haven. In other words, when somebody is a refugee goes to Germany, we don't go, oh, you're coming from Germany to us now. No, you're in a safe haven, you stay there. That's a huge thing we need to do. And the last one is, I would say, Mr. President, you absolutely have to make sure we have a national mandatory E-Verify. And the one other thing I would do, since the U.N. is insisting that we take them in, is I would, I would <clears throat> grant an exception that the, the U.N. headquarters in New York may house as many of these illegal immigrants as ah. the U.N. wants to hold. I love that. I love that. I love that. It's about time. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking a moment in your busy day to be with us. Uh, give our best to Duncan Hunter in his quest to hold that office. Uh, have a great day, sir. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon, my son. Thank you. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. If you're considering a new home purchase or the refinance of a current home, and you know everything about every financial option, your income is plain vanilla, straight salary, and you have perfect credit, then perhaps dealing with one of those online lenders you see on TV makes sense. However, if you don't consider yourself a financial expert and you want someone you can trust to listen to what you're looking for and suggest the best option for you, then call us at Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. Whether you're a millennial buying your first house, a baby boomer wondering how to get out of debt before retirement, or a retiree who needs a plan to help you live more comfortably, we can find products and strategies that fit your scenario. In the age of rising interest rates, increasing home values, and mortgage products that are changing daily, you might want to talk to the experts that can help navigate through some options to figure out the best plan for you. Call Wholesale Capital 
at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, weekends right here on AM590, The Answer. License by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker. License number 1147747 NMLS 9873 midterm election, at least since the Civil War, and will determine whether we can continue making America great again or whether these far-left, radical, socialist mob of Democrats are going to take control of one or both houses of Congress. That's right, because if Democrats take the House over in the midterm elections, Maxine Waters has some scores to settle, and believe me, she's going to settle them. And what should strike more fear into the electorate's, or conservative electorate's heart, other than Adam Schiff taking over a committee having anything to do with House intelligence. Right. I mean, that's, that's you know, Democrat House intelligence is kind of an oxymoron. Just following, I want to follow up on we were talking about with uh, border agent uh, Harris. And when what's in the news is President Trump's uh, suggestions that he's going to issue an executive order to end birthright citizenship and uh, whether whether he can do that. And this is going to come down to, in part, what the interpretation of the 14th Amendment is. That's one of the post-Civil War amendments whose primary intention, and the Supreme Court has held this, was to free the slaves and grant them equality under the law. So that was what, that was what they were trying to think. And at the time, there were, there were very few of any restrictions on immigration. This was totally outside anything that they were thinking about. And the 14th Amendment says, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. That's the key language. So it's obvious it's not everyone who was born in there because we have another phrase, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So that in interpreting something is you want to give meaning to that. So that that has to qualify and limit persons born or naturalized in the United States. So what this is going to turn on is the meaning of that phrase, subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Now, I have a question for you. Sure. This current interpretation did not come into existence until after 1960. Before 1960, it was never applied to unauthorized immigrants, uh, individuals that are here uh, essentially illegally. Correct. Uh, it was never applied. It only became something in modern times once immigration levels were restored, thanks to the Democrats. Right. There are three U.S. Supreme Court cases that have addressed this clause. The first was in the as in 1870s, four years after the 14th Amendment was adopted, the slaughterhouse cases in which the court stated in a common dicta, not legally binding, wasn't part of the case, that this did not apply to foreigners. Okay. 1880s was the Elk Hills case in which an American Indian born in the United States sued to say, hey, I'm a citizen under 14th Amendment. Are you sure he wasn't Cherokee? I don't know what tribe he was. Uh, what well, you tribe said he was. was Sue. Yes. Yeah, just... Don, we have limited time here. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and the Supreme Court ruled, no, 
He was not a citizen under, he was not subject to the jurisdiction thereof, and it took a Which subsequent- Which is why they had to do another law, what, right, 1923? It, it, right. It took a subsequent law of Congress to grant citizenship to American Indians. And the third case is the Wong Kim case from the 1890s. I think it was the right Kim. Could be. Anyways, his parents were Chinese, were brought over with Chinese immigrants to work on the railroads and, and, and whatnot. He was born here. As an adult, he went back to China. His parents were not citizens. They couldn't become citizens, but they had no. They could stay here. They were legal residents of the country. So he sues under the 14th Amendment, and the, and the Supreme Court, I think, properly says this applies to him. But there's broader language in that case that, very, that limits and they go out beyond what the case, what they had to rule in the case, or what this subject to the jurisdiction thereof mean, foreign diplomats invading armies were the examples the court gave. So those are the three cases. But you're right. Until the 1960s or later, this was never even thought to be applied to illegal immigrants and their and and their children. So it was applied administratively to Why? them. So the the theory, maybe this is where Donald Trump's team is getting their belief that an right. EO can take care of this. The idea would be that it could be unapplied administratively. Right. The, 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 the citizenship statute tracks this language. So he just Donald Trump issues an order that says, henceforth, we're now interpreting the, the language like this. Right. There'll be an immediate lawsuit. And ultimately, look, it's either going to go to Supreme Court or yes. Congress has to do something. Well, you if the 14th Amendment grants the citizenship, then the Congress can't change the law on it. Right. Right. So okay. you're saying even even Congress doing Could, anything if the 14th Amendment would go guaran- to SCOTUS. If the 14th Amendment guarantees citizenship to children of illegal immigrants, then Congress can't change that by statute. Now, we only have a little bit of time left in this segment. I think Trump would be making a mistake now to do this now, because it's at best, it's a 5-4 on the Supreme Court, and you only need to lose one of the five conservative justices on this issue to lose this issue. I would defer this. I would, I would wait for another, at least one more Supreme Court appointment before taking this issue up. Now, by the time the case gets there, you may, you may have one, but I wouldn't count on that. Interesting. Well, this what is interesting, though, and what I think is relevant to Tuesday is him bringing this up, whether Axios, it was leaked to Axios or not, him bringing it up on Tuesday, I think, is political genius because it shifted the conversation directly yep. to his issue, issue of immigration. Is immigration. We'll be back with more on the Unite IE Radio Show after the break. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen on the virtual eve of the most consequential election in our country's history, certainly in our lifetimes. Absolutely. Now, I, I wanted to draw your attention to something that I think really will 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 create a picture we have an in-studio guest we want to get to introduce him uh, very quickly who's in a very consequential election but i want to paint a picture in our listeners mind of what's at stake in this election in 2012 an escalator in the bart transportation system ground to a halt was unable to function as an escalator and they brought in the maintenance crews in 2012 to fix the escalator in the BART San Francisco Bay Area transportation system. And the workers began disassembling the escalator. And they realized within an hour that the fix for this escalator was beyond 
their capability. And they had to call in a hazmat team. Now, you might be wondering, why would you need to call in a hazmat team to fix an escalator in the BART transportation system of San Francisco? And why was that? Well, the reason was the escalator could no longer operate because of the amount of human waste that had clogged the gears of the escalator system. Hmm. So they had to bring in a hazmat team because the workers were no longer able to work on the escalator, and they had to, to clean the escalator out of pounds and pounds and pounds of human waste hmm. that had clogged the escalator in its ability to function in the BART system. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a picture of what will happen if Republicans don't get out and vote and vote for, at the top of the ticket, John Cox to prevent Gavin Newsom, the guy that created that mess in that escalator. Not personally. Uh, Well, we don't know that. You can't definitively (laughs) say that. No one knows for sure whose human waste that was in the escalator. But we can say one thing for certain. That escalators around California are at risk for being clogged with human waste if Gavin Newsom becomes our next governor. Well, and there's, there's a side to that is there is there were a number of liberals on that escalator when it broke. They were trapped there for several hours until they could be rescued. <laughs> and with that, our guest is making an exit, so we better introduce him really quick before he decides he's in the wrong show at the wrong time. No, he's in the right show, he's in the right place, and he has given his opponent... In the 40th Assembly District, a run, a literal run for his money. With us is Henry Nickel. He is the Republican who is challenging James James Ramos in what is an open seat. Yes, sir. For the Assembly. Welcome to the uh, United. I almost said welcome to the Jen and Don show. Welcome to the United IE radio show, Henry Nickel. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. And thank you, as always, for stepping up into uh, into this role. You have been serving the city of San, uh, of San Bernardino in, uh, for how long have you been? in? The I'm city going council? into my fifth year. Fifth year. City council. So thank you for doing that. It's been a very difficult tr- period for the city of San Bernardino, but I'm sure a lot of valuable lessons in assessing f- fiscal responsibility for a municipality that would be well served in Sacramento, no doubt. Yeah, well, I was elected in 2014, two years after the city went into bankruptcy, uh, by and large due to uh, large-scale fiscal management, mismanagement. And uh, we've spent the last uh, five years since I've been on the council um, really pulling the city back out of the gutter. And but what we've been finding as as council members, I currently serve as a mayor pro tem of the city as well. I was honored to uh, receive a unanimous vote from my colleagues, both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, but what we've been finding is uh, as pertains to uh, city government, local government, um, we are very much um, at the mercy of Sacramento. And um, what we are finding is that because we have a uh, situation of a, a Democrat dominance, a supermajority, uh, we're holding off a supermajority currently in the Senate by one vote. Uh, but uh, up until just uh, this recent primary election, the Democrats held a supermajority in both houses of the legislature, plus the governorship. And what that means is that they had absolute dominance over the legislative agenda in Sacramento. Mm. 
And uh, we've seen a litany of bad laws passed. Um, and the consequence is that city governments increasingly are dealing with homeless, they're dealing with escalating crime, they're dealing with escalating poverty. We don't have the resources to provide uh, the police services, public safety services that are required. We don't have the money to fill the potholes. So increasingly, we're blamed for much of the problems that are the result of this Democrat dominance in Sacramento. Interesting. Well, I think the the, um, surprise hasn't been a bigger issue is the crime bills that the Democrats have passed in this, and there's been four bills to put each one of which will be will be putting more criminals back out on the streets. Maybe the maybe the one that's the worst is eighteen ten, which if the criminal says that my a mental issue caused my to commit the crime, they can get off with no no punishment, no conviction, and just some quote therapy unquote. They've eliminated the possibility that a 14 or 15 year old can be tried as an adult, no matter how heinous the crime. So the MS-13 gang member from Guatemala or wherever, they go, oh yeah, I'm 15, committed the murder. They're going to be out by the by no later than the age, than age 23 to rejoin the gang on the streets. Well, guess so, who you recruit? If you are a gang, who do you recruit to do absolutely. this stuff? You recruit 14, 15, 15 16-year-olds. Yeah, well, and the terrible part is that the, the, the radical Democrats that dominate the legislature currently are, are turning law-abiding citizens uh, into criminals. Uh, that their, their intent is to, uh, more or less, in their minds, equalize what they believe has been a system of injustice. And in so doing, uh, what they have done is empowered criminals. And we are seeing that increasingly on our streets. Uh, we're seeing that uh, in terms of the fact that we've downgraded what used to be uh, felonies to misdemeanors. Um, a lot of our, our local retailers are suffering because of theft, uh, because uh, what would have been a felony uh, theft has now been downgraded to a misdemeanor. And so we're seeing real consequences in terms of quality of life, in terms of our ability uh, to bring our local economy back devastated by the fact that Sacramento is now dominated by far left-leaning Democrats, and we have to ensure that Republicans turn out and bring the necessary balance of power back to the legislature. Well stated. Well stated. Because could we? Could we? Could California make it through another Democrat supermajority in this state where they can push any bill forward? I don't think so. But you know, the uh, the voters are going to decide, and if the Republicans yeah. turn out. We could we we can prevent that Democrat supermajority, but in your district, in the fortieth, in the sixtieth, uh, down where Bill Asali is running against Sabrina Cervantes, turnout will be the key. This is a Republican seat. The Democrats want this seat. They are pouring millions of dollars, literally millions, into turning yep. this uh, historically Republican seat Democrat. They are indeed, and they're not just using money. They're using some dirty tricks. We're going to continue our conversation with candidate Henry Nickel, who's running for the 40th Assembly District. He is the mayor pro tem currently of the city of San Bernardino. We've talked a little bit about that. But his seat is one where turnout is critical. We'll continue the conversation with Henry after a brief timeout to hear from our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to go when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 
951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And now fulfilling that office most importantly involves voting and trying to get your friends, family, relatives to vote. And if you have limited time, focus on the Republicans. We are visiting here with Henry Nickel, who is a candidate for the state assembly in the 40th district, now held by a Republican who shall not be named. And uh, he's running as James Ramos, who is a supervisor. And uh, he is has a, not unlimited, but close to it, money. I'm, some days I'm getting multiple mailers from him and then and that that that's a diminishing marginal effect i'm sure is okay another another ramos another ramos mailer yeah, but, we, you, but you know one of the one of the things that sort of struck me about about those mailers was he was criticizing and attacking you for your compensation that you receive as a city council member which if you look on transparent california your total comp your, your salary is a whopping six hundred dollars that's not per week. That's not per month. That is per year for what being on the city council is essentially a full-time job. There's some other pay and benefits for a grand total for 2017 of $22,699.36. Now, I just have That's well, such government waste right there. I can't I, believe. I, I, mean, I mean, he's definitely overpaid. I now, can't believe the amount of money. James Ramos, Board of Supervisors, base salary for 2017, $179,091.40, and total pay that's and just, benefits. Now that's just base salary, salary, what you just read. Total pay and benefits is $238,024.79. How dare you, Henry, be taking $22,000 of our money? I apologize. You know, I just... Um I, I had to laugh when I heard the um, the the advertisements and saw the mailers. Um, my my first response was was just to chuckle, but uh, what I think it exposed is something far more devious, which is uh, a pattern of behavior among Democrats this cycle uh, to defame and to sling whatever mud they think might stick against any Republicans, be they running for office or, or seeking appointment. And I think we saw that in the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, I think that they are stooping to levels that uh, I certainly haven't seen in my lifetime. And, and I think it's a sign of desperation. They've really gone into the gutter this year. Uh, we had to issue a cease and desist notice uh, to Ramos personally uh, that these uh, communications were slanderous. Uh, and that certainly the um, the mailers that were sent were were libelous in nature. This is just simply defamation and cannot stand. And fortunately, our California Constitution actually allows for the removal of an elected official at any level should they obtain office through defamation. Um, so uh, this is very serious. And I think what they didn't anticipate was that we as Republicans would push back this cycle, and we are. And I think we're seeing that uh, both here. 
uh, locally and across the nation. Uh, Republicans are finally growing a backbone. We're pushing back, and we aren't going to let them use these dirty tricks against us anymore. We're done. Well, that's that's because in a large part, we're now manufacturing steel in this country, and that steel is winding up in the backbones of Republicans. And I think Donald Trump is the one that's manufacturing it. I think so, too. I, th- I think people are Republicans that have, that have cowered in the face of the media are watching Donald Trump, and he's, he's succeeding. And he's, he's, he's winning. He's beating the media. Maybe I can do it, too. And not only steel, but I hear brass as well. Mm-hmm. So right. there's a lot of brass going around. Well, you know, you... you I think we as Republicans have, have sort of been acclimated to this idea of having to play by certain rules that the Democrats just blatantly and flagrantly dismiss. Well, you know, we've talked about this a lot, Greg, that the, that the Republicans have been under the mistaken impression that in in the field of political debate, that there is still this gentleman's or statesman-like uh, dialogue that's supposed to happen in the middle of the field where you debate ideas in, in, in a field and then walk off the field shaking hands as Americans, as citizens, as people who share a, a certain value about what America stands for. What ha- what, what's becoming p- painfully obvious is that in the Trump era, uh, they're no longer the Democrats, that is, especially the progressive Democrats are no longer even standing on the field. They have gone off and they're hiding in the tunnels outside the stadium, lobbying in mortars. And Republicans have thought, oh, we're still standing in the middle of the field. Like you said, we're we're figuring that out. It's really apparent to anyone watching that the Democrat Party will say anything and will do anything for power. And query whether you want somebody who will say or do anything for power to have power over you. Well, and I think I think uh, my opponent has really hurt his credibility with voters. Um, I responded to an outcry uh, from uh, individuals that uh, saw these ads, uh, saw these mailers, and uh, knew they were false. They just knew they were false. And I think what the Democrats have shown themselves to be are corrupt, lying bullies. And just like any other kind of bully, the way you deal with a bully is you punch them back in the nose. And once you do that... Um, they will back down. But not down. literally. Well, I don't... Not punch. I'm not going to punch my opponent in the nose, but we are going to make it very clear that uh, what they did was not only unacceptable, but unlawful. And we will hold them legally liable if necessary. Right. And uh, we will push back. And there will be consequences to behaviors that are outside the norm. So there were ads that were running right here on this station yes, and that I, had I, to be pulled. Yeah, and I of- give credit. I think uh, this radio station... Uh, um, did its part. Uh, we issued a notice to all radio stations that were uh, were airing that ad. Most pulled them. Uh, we are still dealing with a couple of uh, stations that are refusing to pull those. And uh, we are considering our options uh, legally in terms of uh, whether or not we will, in fact, hold them legally liable. But I, I think we have to. I think the dirty tricks have to stop. Now, Henry, you should know by now that laws are for the little people and Republicans. Correct. Yes, yes. We play by rules. The other side doesn't have to. Let's remind folks who are listening where the uh, boundaries of the 40th district are, what cities are included, so that even if our listeners are not in those boundaries, 
as we are suggesting and imploring our listeners to do, they can pick up the phone and they can call their friends that are within the 40th Assembly yeah, District. We're down, we're, we're down only 1,000 Republican ballots right now in this district that runs from Rancho Cucamonga to Mentone, includes the cities of San Bernardino, Highland, Loma Linda, and Redlands. So if you have friends anywhere between Rancho Cucamonga and Mentone, and they are Republican, please and Mentone urge is them. basically the Redlands. Redlands area, yes. Yeah. Please urge them to return their ballots immediately. We have to boost these numbers. We're down only 1,000. We are way outperforming the Democrats now. We need to hold that line, and I think we can deliver 1,000 votes. I well, you, think our, our audience can do that. Another good way to tell if you're in the 40th district is if, you, if today in your mail you find one, two, three, or four mailers from James Ramos, you are in the 40th district. Correct. And then you talk about the money he's spending, and of course he's getting that money from various interests and the, that's where that's where that's where his loyalty is let's be. hold that thought because that is very telling and we got to take a quick break a timeout, if you will for our sponsor for this half hour but folks wait until you hear just how much money is being spent for an assembly seat that only pays what 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 is this assembly seat it's pay? less what than you, $120,000 for, for $120,000 income Wait till you hear how much is being spent on this assembly seat, and then you'll begin to wonder, who in the world would spend that much money for a $120,000 job? We'll explain as we continue. Hmm, I wonder. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to go when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen, and the show that is imploring you that this election cycle, that this midterm, that 2018 be the year that every one of you go vote and every one of you call your friends, call your neighbors, call your pastor, call your firefighter, call your cop, call everybody you know. Who are you going to call? Ghostbuster. Call your Ghostbuster. And make sure that they are voting this year because literally every vote counts. We're involved in a couple of races in the city of Corona where literally the difference between winning and losing could be 200 uh, votes, could be 100 votes. And so everybody needs to get out. I don't know what that's going to be in the 40th Assembly District, but we do know how much money is being spent to essentially get a supermajority installed back in in Sacramento by the Democrats. Now, look at Prop 6. Look at how much money that the special interest, the third house, what we call the third house, and these this includes uh, non-governmental organizations, organizations like the California League of Cities. Um, we could go on. There's, there's dozens of them. All you got to do is go to Ballotpedia and look at the people that are urging you to vote no on 6. We want you to vote yes on 6 to repeal the gas tax. But look at all of those 
organizations. They have a vested interest. They want power. They want to be able to control the tax dollars you send. And in point of fact, they want more of them. They want more of them. They would. They they want to get rid of Prop Thirteen. They want to increase taxes in other areas. They want to. They want to uh, send. Donald Trump a message. Do you, I was reading an article about Connecticut. Connecticut has lost over $1.3 billion in tax revenues over the last two years because people are fleeing that state because of the tax rates. That's what's going to happen here. The Democrats don't seem to be able to understand that there's a basic, fundamental... Uh, uh, what, I'm, what I'm searching for is, uh, like gravity, laws of nature when it comes to economics, that at some point people will leave this state, and they are, they are. right now, and they want more of it. But Henry... Nickel, who is running for the 40th Assembly District, who's with us right now. How much money is being spent to secure this seat for the Democrats in Sacramento? Well, my opponent right now is uh, crossing the $3 million threshold just on funds he has raised in his campaign. $3 million. million. And that does not include what we call independent expenditures, which are many, many millions of dollars more. If you look at the mailers that you're receiving, if you're in this district, look carefully at who is paying for that mailer. And what you will find is that many of those mail pieces, many of these ads that are airing are being paid for outside the campaign. These are what we call independent expenditures. So when you account for that, we are talking about much further north of $3 million. I've heard estimates upwards of of $10 million or more are being spent compared to about the $250,000 that my campaign has raised, which is in an average election, in an average campaign, is is, is a pretty healthy amount of money to raise. Um, But the amount of money that's coming from special interests in Sacramento, as you call them the third house, is just eclipsing um, what is coming from the district. And I think what this this highlights is the fact we have a very broken system right now that uh, we're going to need to fix. And right now it is it is tilted toward the Democrats. Um, this this election cycle, we have a decision to make as to what the future of California is going to look like. And uh, I don't think we're going to have much opportunity after this election to fix this if we don't get this right this election cycle. But as you said, the Democrats are on the war path to dismantle Prop 13. My opponent has raised taxes on his own constituents without a vote of the people. Prop 6 is an example of how these bad laws that get passed in Sacramento have an effect on us and, and why we need to ensure these laws don't get passed in the first place so we don't have to go through an expensive initiative process to overturn them. And what that means is we have to elect the right people to Sacramento. We need a balance of power in Sacramento. We need to elect Republicans this year, period. Are the people? Is the agenda of the people that have given uh, Ramos $15 million or so your agenda? Um, well, I think... I, what, I, mean, I mean, yours and our audience's agenda. I, I think in some cases they do align. I think what's been really disheartening to me is a lot of organizations that would uh, and have historically supported Republican candidates have split toward the Democrats this year because they see the likely potential in their mind that there is going to be a Democrat supermajority and they don't want to be on the chopping block. So they're they're doing their best to try and ally. But many of these interests are not aligned with uh, with with our values. Um, for instance, my opponent is supported by Planned Parenthood. I 
I am not. You know, thank you for running. We are out that of time. That is a great for today. note to end on. And you can uh, reach out and re- learn more about Henry at henrynickel.com. Just Henry like the Nickel. coin. Dot com. Thank you, Henry, and we wish you well. And tune in next week, and we will see how all this turned out. Thank you. On Unite IE Radio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.